Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. We are up and going with another edition of Inside the Booth here on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. Join myself, Steve Jolly, right now. We break down what was a disappointing night at home against the Columbus Crew in a 3-2 loss. We look at a very compact and tightly contested Eastern Conference. Look ahead to the game against Toronto and what will follow for New York in a very busy month of August. Thanks as always for joining us. This is Inside the Booth on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. It is a Monday morning here on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network as we record the end of the month edition here in July of Inside the Booth. I'm Matt Harmon. My partner is Steve Jolly, and I think both of us are still dealing with the ill effects of the loss on Saturday night to Columbus. Partner, 3-2 game that the crew were able to come in, surprise New York, get a full complement of points. And uh, I, th- I think the best way maybe to sum this up in a game that didn't have a whole lot to take from it would be a massive missed opportunity for New York who could have finished the night in second. Instead, they stay in kind of the bottom loop of playoff teams right now in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you wholeheartedly there. That was an unbelievably enormous mistake relative to missing the points. And, uh, you know, you got that feeling that this was going to be one of those games where, you know, we weren't going to play our best soccer, but we were still going to come out with our three points. You know, that was evident about, but you know, our start was not so good to say the least in the first 15 minutes, but Brian White gets his goal. But then the culmination of, I think the the evening was just, uh, you know, giving away a goal just so quickly back. And, uh, you know, it, that, that's, a, this is going to be a tough one to swallow without question. It's going to be a tough one to swallow for us, the fans and, and also the players. And you can only hope that, um, come you know this upcoming saturday against toronto they uh they redeemed themselves steve you know one of the things that going into that game and and you and i talked about it in two different ways i think in our pregame show or in our social media hit that we do um i had said is this kind of the trap game okay you you win that uh tight game down in orlando you take three points on the road in in maybe a second half in which Orlando just kind of battered you a little bit, but you come away with that ugly win. Uh, you got some travel issues coming home. You got a Columbus team, which is bottom of the table in the Eastern Conference. You're almost maybe looking ahead a little bit to the Toronto game the following Saturday. I said trap game, and you kind of echoed um, in a little bit a different way, saying, okay, yeah, Columbus um, has really struggled this year, and they are injured. Uh, they, they do have a lot of injuries, but it's a team that's maybe better than they are, and they came in with a almost who cares attitude. So, how, in a way, if you are um, part of the, the the guys on the field, how do you not react to that? I guess maybe would be the question. Walking out, if if everyone is talking about it and you are well aware of it, the game actually shaped up the way that everyone kind of thought it could, but was hoping that it didn't. Yeah, I mean, you know. There really isn't an excuse. I mean, usually I traditionally, and this is maybe just me, I define trap games more like midweek games, or you've had a quite, you know, quite a few games that are in between each other, and you got your U.S. Open Cup games, and 
and the like. But uh, I refuse to believe that any one of those players and obviously the staff that we've talked to, um, you know, weren't prepared in what they needed to do. Um, what they did is a different matter. And at the end of the day, you know, when I look at it from a, you know, a purely objective standpoint, you know, there was players who just didn't have their best performances, um, very disorganized, especially in the back. And more importantly, you know, not recognizing that, you know, Columbus crew, maybe you thought they were going to play out of the back because that's usually what they do tonight. They, uh, they, or sorry, the other night they changed their uh, perspective and what they were trying to accomplish and played long ball. It caught us and, uh, and we didn't react. And, uh, and that's the thing I think I struggle with the most is when you have that much, you know, the veterans on the team and you can see the frustration Robles and Sean Davis, you know, how slow it was to react to what, you know, Columbus crew were doing on the field. I mean, the spaces in the gap between our front line and our back line was just unacceptable. Our possession was, you know, weak at best. It was just one of those games where, you know, none of it made logical sense. This was a question that was asked of Chris Armist after the game uh, in terms of what he was most disappointed with. Here's his answer. I, I want to read it back to you. Losing, number one, losing at home, that's probably the most disappointing thing. You wait all week and you prepare for game day. A chance to take a step forward, a chance to inch a few points out of first place, get into second, a chance to know that you're making progress to give our supporters something they can feel proud of. There's nothing like game day. We feel like we wasted that opportunity, not enough energy, not enough urgency, not enough commitment to the details and all the things that make us good. Uh, teams that come here home and away, we don't play in games that we give up 20 shots. Our good stuff tonight just wasn't good enough. You hear that back. Uh, that was in the postgame press conference. And, and as I read it to you, What's, what's your reaction to hearing Coach kind of maybe dig, dig into the guys a little bit? Yeah, as, as, as expected and as should be. And, um, you know, in knowing, you know, and talking to Chris before the game, you know these players were, you know, very much aware of exactly what he just said after the game was what was said before the game. So, you know, there's accountability. Well, there will always be accountability with leadership, and that leadership obviously starts, you know, with the coaches straight down. But at the end of the day, I mean, I just, I, I, I mean, I can't find an excuse for, for, for how poor the team played relative to, you know, the urgency side. You know, we talk about on air, you know, millions of times that, you know, there are just days where things just don't go your way. But, you know, you can put an honest effort out there and things can happen. And, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, for me, I think Brian White is a, is a logical person to just suggest that, like, that's the case. Is that some days that Brian gets caught where, you know, he can't find the spaces or, you know, he can't get touches on the ball. But he's always working. He's always competing. And he gets rewarded by that. I mean, that's the reason why the guy scored five of the last seven goals, right? And so, you know, if I could give one person – you know, and you know, as an example of, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's a long season, but, you know, you got to compete. You got to do whatever is necessary to make, uh, you know, to, to get out of the game relative to maybe it's, you know, let me give you another example. You know, defensively, we talked about how, you know, we didn't feel comfortable about their spacing. We have new positions and, you know, you have Tarek on the left-hand side. You know, sometimes when things aren't going your way as a defender, you know, it's it's plain simple out of the back. It's not trying to play the long ball out of time. It's being, you know, simple with your movements, it's being simple in how you defend. And and I think that's what caught me the most is that, you know, you know, for me that, that was 
the worst game of the year. And what frustrated me is not the fact that we had the worst game of the year. What frustrated me is that there were some players that I felt just didn't simplify when things weren't going the, you know, their way and, uh, and kind of come together and, and, and compete in a better manner than, um, than I'm accustomed to see it. I think it's fair to say it's a head-scratching game, right, on a lot of ways because um, as, as we talked about during the match and as you just talked about in your answer right there, it's not what we've become used to seeing. Uh, okay, you don't have your best stuff, but make sure that you go out and, and at least um, say, all right, we, we, we still gave it everything that we had. And I think a lot of people kind of left that game the other night thinking, like, what, what, what's wrong? I want to throw this one at you, too. This was Luis Robles talking after the game. Um, and I think you're a perfect guy to, to dig into this a little bit because of your position that you played for the years that you did in Major League Soccer. Um, talking about the back line, the goals against average doesn't look too well when you look at our defensive line. Multiple all-stars, guys that represent national teams, top defenders, yet we're not playing with the same intensity, not playing with the same commitment, not playing with the same intelligence as we did last year, and maybe we're not playing with the same sort of chip on our shoulder that we have something to prove. We really have to show people around the league, uh, take notice, we've become a little too complacent. That's that that's pretty telling, right? At this point of the year, as you turn the page to August, that your team captain, your goalkeeper, um, it is extremely, and you said it earlier, and we saw it, it, was extremely frustrated the way that the guys in front of him played the other night. No, I think it's uh, more than warranted for him to say that publicly uh, with his team because, you know, the excuse has been, um, you know, recently that, um, you know, this is a team that has had a lot of, you know, injuries and, you know, players going away with national teams and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, come, you know, July – uh, you know, and, and pass the gold cup and all that kind of stuff, that excuse is gone. And um, at the end of the day, this is a team that's, you know, goals against of roughly around 34, which is completely average uh, for the league. But this is not a roster that is completely average. When you look at, you know, our starting backs, you know, this is, you know, I mean, it's an expensive back line, but it's also extremely competent back line. And I think uh, not only Robles, but me and, I'm sure everybody that was at that game and watching TV and listening to us radio expect better. All right, so as we take a look at that game and, and close it up at our first segment, the uh, Steve, searching for positives out of that game, I think, number one, you'd have to say the continued goal scoring of Brian White, which I, you can almost get past the point right now of saying it's a surprise because he has produced all during the course of his opportunities in, in this 2019 season. Well, he's a quantifiable proof that if you work hard and compete, that things can happen for you, especially when you already have <laughs> a, a tremendous amount of talent. And uh, you combo him having eight goals a year. You combo with that with Royer with the fact that he keeps on putting, you know, balls in the back of the net and competing. And, and you know, he was the one who created the PK, and that was a heck of a PK that he finished off. Um, we're very fortunate to have those two pick up the slack with uh, BWP's injury. And you pray that uh, – well, here, it, this is an easier way of saying it. Um, if the Red Bull – if Red Bulls are going to be successful for the balance of the season, two things I think have to happen. One, BWP needs to come back to form and get healthy. And two, and maybe it's like 1B, <laughs> uh, the back line of Red Bull need to, uh, to step it up. 
Maybe that's the easiest way of saying it. Those are the two things that I am literally focused on for remaining balance this season. And here's the thing that I think is really important in terms of timing between those two things is that we have a Toronto team that I think is very, very good. They struggled at the beginning of the season. They're now finding some form. Um, they're right below the cusp line of um, at the eighth spot in the playoffs. And uh, we have a game here on Saturday night that, you know, I've told probably five or six of my friends in the, in the area, I'm like, listen, if you're going to go to a game, I got a good feeling about this one. This is a game you want to go see and watch and hear and talk and just experience this one because I think this is going to be a special game. We will take a look at that Toronto game, which is our next uh, match coming up. Tickets are available for that one. You go to Ticketmaster.com, NewYorkRedBulls.com, call 1-877-727-6223. Steve and I right now in the midst of breaking down the Columbus game. Steve, if you think of, okay, Brian White continues to, to maybe shine a little bit with his opportunities, and you did have an opportunity to go from fifth to second with three points the way that every other result came down. The the other, I'll say, minor positive out of it is you didn't necessarily lose a spot. If you look at the standings this morning, it's still the New York Red Bulls in fifth. They are still uh, 34 points. If you got three points somewhere along the way as early as this week, and depending on how well the results, you could do the same exact thing going into this weekend. You could hop from uh, fifth to second, second, uh, fifth to maybe third, somewhere in there. Um, so on a night that they didn't take advantage of getting the points, they also had a night that there wasn't a whole lot of distance, any more distance created between them and the teams in front of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is kind of the perennial blind squirrel finds a nut situation. I mean, right? Uh, how lucky can you get in a night that you played so poorly? Uh, everybody else didn't get results, and uh, and now we're, we're sitting, you know, kind of right in that spot to where, you know, we can move up the table. Um, unfortunately, we're right at that spot because we didn't take advantage of getting the three points that we can easily move down the table as well. I mean, when you think about the difference between, you know, fifth and eighth place is just two points and that eighth place team has come into play in the next couple of days, um, you know, you can quickly kind of run out of favor. Um, I know, you know, I'm, actually, I think we should talk a little bit about relative to the standings maybe in the next segment, but, um, Man, it's just it's just too close. It's just you can't have wasted points, and uh, maybe this becomes that quantifiable, at least for me and only me, maybe um, that quantifiable game of you know this is the game of the season for me. Like how this goes relative to Saturday with Toronto might dictate you know what we're doing relative to the balance of the season. You know, we get a good win, we get a good result. Next thing you know, we're riding with confidence. We're up there in the stadium in the stands. If we don't, then you know, oh no, we're playing, you know, NYC soon. They have three games in hand. You know, we're playing a couple of Eastern Conference teams like DC. I mean, it's going to be a tough run the remaining balance of the season if we don't uh, step up. We will dig into that Toronto game and look at the table a little bit more in our second segment. I want to close our first segment with this. There are no midweek games this week because it is uh, all-star breakdown in Orlando. The homegrown players in Major League Soccer will play uh, the U-20 team from Chivas, and then the all-star game, which will take place um, on Wednesday night, will play Atletico Madrid. You like the the format of taking this midseason break and having an all-star game, Steve? Mm, God, 
You just asked me a tough question. Um, yeah. That's what I do. I That's what I do. Yeah. That's my role. Ask Steve okay. Jolly the tough questions. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't, here's how I'll summarize. I completely and utterly understand the need for an all-star game based on the, the way American sports works, for better or for worse. Uh, the glamour, you know, you, you know, tout your stars, and I see the need for that. Um, do I like all-star games? Absolutely not. I particularly don't even watch them more often than not. I do appreciate the fact that was one at one point. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it's just, I don't know. Um, I wish we didn't need them. How about that? I wish we we had, uh, you know, that much, you know, visibility within the, uh, the American sports market to where we didn't have to, to throw one of these, but I completely understand why we do relative to the infancy of our league compared to other leagues and getting our brand and our stars out there as much as possible. Games on Tuesday, the homegrown game. Games on Wednesday with the MLS All-Stars. Red Bulls do have representation in uh, both of those games. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll have our second segment. We will look at that Toronto game, uh, something that I think Steve very aptly just called perhaps the game of the season uh, and maybe a defining point for this New York Red Bull team trying to bounce back off that 3-2 loss to Columbus. This is Inside the Booth on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. Download the New York Red Bulls app today to stay up to date on everything New York Red Bulls. Buy, share, and scan your tickets. Get all the latest news and content and listen to New York Red Bulls radio in English and Spanish. Then flip to arena mode to find concessions near your location and get real-time answers from the Red Bulls chatbot. Available now on iOS and Android or visit NewYorkRedBulls.com for more information. We are back here on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. It is inside the booth. We wrap up this month of July and look ahead to what will be a very busy August, just like the month of July. New York had six games there. They'll have six games uh, in August. That will start on Saturday night against Toronto, a team that New York had just lost to um, about uh, two weeks ago on a midweek game up in TFC, 3-1. to one. You, We just were going to break talking about the homegrown game and the All-Star game, and I said New York representation in both of those games. Omir Fernandez picked for the homegrown game, Kemar Lawrence as an All-Star, those games on Tuesday and Wednesday night. Uh, Steve, you just said it before we went to break, perhaps the game of the season with Toronto coming in, because it does really shape up like that. If you look at what the standings look like, um, that will be going into the weekend because, again, there are no midweek games, so this won't change. Philadelphia 39, Atlanta 36, D.C. United 36, New York City 35, Red Bulls 34, Montreal 33, New England 33, and then Toronto 32. A little bit of separation after that. Orlando, Columbus, Chicago, and FC Cincinnati. Uh, Yes, there are anywhere from um, 11 to 10 games for most playoff contending teams. You mentioned New York City with the games in hand. They've only played 20. Uh, But, yes, things could change. But it is kind of shaping up into maybe eight teams for those seven spots, which makes those games, when you play against uh, anybody, really, in the Eastern Conference, all that much more important. Yeah. um, I mean, this is a big game. (laughs) That's the easiest way of saying it. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, we – you know, well, let's go there with the standings. At the end of the day, um, I don't think it's necessarily just eight teams. You know, and I think I talked about it this past weekend. I think Columbus Crew has a wonderful opportunity to kind of move up the standings because they remind me a lot of kind of that New 
New England revolution where, you know, they get a new coach, they get some new players in, they start having some success, they get some confidence, and they go on a wonderful streak, just like New England. So I would probably say it's more of a nine-team race. Um, you know, when I look at the standings and I look at how big this game is coming against Toronto, um, you know, for me, you know, how this game goes, you know, might dictate the remaining balance of the season in terms of for, for the Rebels. So, you know, it's imperative that we get three points against a team that uh, I think in Toronto is the team that kind of nobody wants to play in the playoffs. And interesting when you look at the the two teams underneath the Red Bulls uh, as we start this kind of off week, Montreal 33, they with a very impressive win over the course of the weekend with Nacho Piatti, with some new signings. And how about the New England Revolution, uh, a team which has now gone 11 games without a loss? Yeah, I mean, that's a team uh, that is playing with nothing but confidence. And obviously they have what is, I'm, I'm mispronouncing, Bo, 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 um, he is something special. And he's already right from the get go, he's getting to the roster and start scoring goals. Um, so New England's going to continue. And we even said this was going to happen with New England, you know, you know, Bruce was going to come in. He was going to get his boys in. He was going to get some, you know, financial help by the Kraft family. Get a good player in there. And next thing you know, because he knew he could capitalize on the Eastern Conference that uh, is stagnant relative to you know no teams are kind of running away with it. Um, and that's the reason why I think Columbus Crew is going to stick in this. But um, you know, for me, uh, I don't think Montreal is going to make the, the playoffs. I think you're going to see a Toronto FC kind of slide in there. Um, I think you're going to see NYCFC move up. Uh, from their four spot just because they have so many games in hand. Um, I mean, that's going to be huge for them. Um, and I, I would, I, I think actually Philadelphia Union is going to slide down and I don't foresee them winning the Eastern Conference. I think they're going to meet more of like a, a three or a four seed when it's all said and done. Do you like the idea that in the Eastern Conference, it is so condensed where if you kind of flip over and see the West, I mean, obviously LAFC is having a potential record-setting season. They've distanced themselves, but I think you could make the argument uh, that the Galaxy have maybe solidified their spot, even though on, on today they're in third behind Seattle. They obviously have the star power, didn't play real well in their game against Portland. There's more separation in the West, where in the East, um, just looking at it, Philadelphia 11 wins, Atlanta 11 wins, Red Bulls 10, Montreal 10, D.C., New York City, nine wins, New England, nine wins, Toronto, nine wins. It's almost like uh, you're you're looking at a lot of, I, I won't even use the word parity. I think you're just looking at a lot of teams that have had their ups and had their downs, not even um, from month to month for a lot of these teams, and the Red Bulls included. It's become week to week. They look like one team one week, and then the next week they look like another team. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean it's it's so true. Um, you know, for me, I think you look at the Western Conference with Delhi FC and Seattle and Galaxy. Those are the three, you know, big horses. San Jose is having some success, but I don't think they're um, nearly as good as is <laughs> their record right now for me. Uh, but they're having success and they're having confidence and a major point or a major time in the season when you need some confidence. Uh, the same thing goes true on the Eastern Conference with New England. I don't think they're particularly a great team, but they're having some confidence right now, and that means everything. Um, you know, this is the time of year that uh, we alluded to in our broadcast where you need to start getting everybody healthy. You need to get some good wins. You need to get, more importantly, maybe not even some good wins, but just get points to where you can start getting into form when, you know, 
August and September come because August and September are everything in Major League Soccer. And you're going to see right here, just because of the compression of the standings, that August and September, again, in Major League Soccer, will dictate uh, who gets those top seven spots in each, each conference. You have mentioned the word confidence in a couple of your last answers, and I want to piggyback on that and ask you, and ask you a question. Um, what is more important for a professional soccer player or a team? Talent? or confidence, or do the two go hand-in-hand? Can a confident team, a more confident team, beat a more talented team on a regular basis? On a regular basis, I don't know. But over the course of a season and when you only have one game, most definitely. Then um, that's probably why I go back to the theory that uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you got to get out there and compete and just work harder than most teams, just because you know things aren't going to go your way some days and some games, and uh, and if you compete, then 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 positive things can constructive things can happen. Um, you know, for me, when I look at the rosters and I look at the teams, you know, I think there's only five or six teams that legitimately have chances to quote unquote with the talent win the championship but that's not always the case in the last 20 plus years of major league soccer you know there are times and you know i can remember the mid-2000s where the galaxy weren't particularly good but next thing you know they get on the little streak and uh and they go through the playoffs and they win a championship because they just had the confidence at that time um that's why i go back to 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 at least my theory of you know if you can gain some confidence by getting points in july then have that confidence going into August and September to where you're getting points because maybe you're, you're, you know, you're out, out going your coverage relative to, you know, maybe we're not that good, but we're getting points. So we feel like we're really good and we're, and we're, and we're going, um, you know, when you look at the points per game in the Eastern conference and you see guys that are like, you know, 1.3 points per game, still have a chance of making the playoffs. I mean, it's, it's, it's anybody's game right now. And it's just, it's going to it's going to turn out to be i think a very interesting you know remaining balance of the season because of the compression but it also i think makes for a really good opportunity for a team like you know new york red bulls to uh, to get a good result this this upcoming weekend gain that confidence for the first game you know in august and uh, and just go after it now i mean i think i'm hopeful i'm very hopeful that this is one of those games where you kind of you don't look past it you look square in it and say that can never happen again for the remaining of balance of the season. We cannot play like we played against Columbus Crew and have success. So let's not forget it. I mean, how many times have we talked about let's forget this game and move on to the next? That's the opposite of what I've been doing right now. I'd be reminding them constantly of that. This cannot happen again. Let's go. Let's compete and uh, and let's move forward. Steve, you mentioned the points per game, and I think that's a, a, an interesting point. I'll also look at this one. With the new playoff format of having it be essentially one and done and teams that have the higher seed taking advantage of the home field, the one thing that I have found at this point of the season that is very interesting is nobody in the Eastern Conference has been overly dominant at home in a year where home field advantage might be really important. Give you the examples. Philadelphia, seven wins in 12 games at home. Atlanta, eight wins in 12 games at home. D.C. United, five wins in 12 games at home. New York City, five wins in 10 games at home. Red Bulls, seven wins in 12 games at home. Montreal, six in 11. And New England, six in 12. 
again, it speaks to the point. There are a lot of teams that are very similar where on any given day, any given night, anybody in the East can beat anybody in the East. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to the point of the fact that we have some big games on the road at NYCFC and DC United where we have we can be optimistic, um, you know, and Montreal as well, right? I mean, those are some three big away games that we have on the balance of the season that, um, you know, we can feel confident that if we're, you know, playing up to our ability that we can get some points there. And, uh, and that's the frame of mind that I think this team needs to go into uh, relative to August. You know, we talked about May being an important month. We talked about July being an important month and maybe May we give us ourselves a, a grade of A and maybe in the month of July, we give ourselves maybe a, a B minus C. Well, you know, We've got to a point now that we, you know, everybody's back, relatively everybody's healthy. It's uh, it's no more excuse time, right? I mean, that's kind of where August and September has been and will always be in Major League Soccer as it stands. So it's no more excuse time. It's time to get focused and it's time to get points. Here's what August looks like for New York. Uh, home for Toronto on the 3rd, away at LAFC on the 11th. Back home for New England on the 17th in D.C. for the first time this season. Those two teams will match up midweek game at Audi Field Wednesday, August uh, 21st in Yankee Stadium to take on NYCFC for the return game the 24th, and then they'll wrap it up in the month with Colorado uh, the Saturday of Labor Day weekend. So a very interesting month. You've got Toronto, New England, D.C., NYCFC, your Eastern Conference teams, LAFC, and Colorado, your Western Conference teams. Uh, Partner, let's dig in just real quick here as we wrap up this uh, Inside the Booth edition and look at the Toronto game. It is Saturday, 6 o'clock start. Steve and I on the air uh, at 5 o'clock with our Countdown to Kickoff pregame show on our TuneIn Radio Network, New York Red Bulls app, NewYorkRedBulls.com. Two teams playing on July 17th. It was a game that if you looked at it statistically, you would say, how did New York lose this game? Had 20 shots, had a ton of set pieces, corners, had so much momentum in that second half after they had scored uh, their goal, then gave away a little bit of a blunder on the third goal. They wound up coming away with no points in that game. Difficult or easy to play a team in a short amount of time having just lost, uh, I'll say, when when they do wind up playing, you know, 10 days, 14 days, something like that in between the matches? Well, I mean, I guess if anything, it gives them a little bit of confidence that, uh, you know, things didn't go their way, but uh, relative to the points and the the result, but they uh, competed and created a lot of chances. You know, you look at Toronto for me, and it's one of the better cores down the middle of the field in Major League Soccer. Uh, you know, in the back, maybe a Gonzalez through more in the midfield, obviously Bradley and Delgado usually. Um, and I'm going to miss his name again in the midfield. Number 10. Was, Pozuelo. Pozuelo is, uh, is about, you know, maybe top 10 in Major League Soccer right now. He's so talented. It's unbelievable. And then up top, you know, Altador is going to be coming into play. I mean, we was it last year that at one point he was booed at some point? Yes. Uh, was it last year that he was booed there at the Red Bull Arena? So. I mean, this is it's 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 shaping up for one of those special games, and I am 
absolutely ecstatic thinking about what we have the opportunity to be there and also call this game because it's going to be something special, I think. Should be fun. Again, a 6 o'clock start. Tickets are available by going to NewYorkRedBulls.com. Ticketmaster or calling 1-877-727-6223. Partner, always like breaking down uh, this Red Bull team with you on our podcast, New York Red Bulls Radio Network. You can find the other ones as well. Our coaches podcast was up from last week. We've got a players-only one coming up, and uh, Steve and I will continue doing what we do here with inside the booth steve enjoy your work yeah i'll say monday man it's monday man you're gonna be okay are you gonna be all right i need a i need a a bro hug to get me through this week and think about what i got next weekend but uh i'll be okay and i would encourage people to uh to find us on twitter to maybe give us uh, some ideas about this uh podcast and give us our five stars and do whatever you can to help support us we appreciate it and We'll talk to everybody later. That is a great way to end it. For Steve Jolly, I'm Matt Harmon. We will see you at the arena come Saturday night. A massive game against Toronto. Hopefully you will watch, listen, uh, give us some comments. We are always available for you via Twitter and on social media. Enjoy the rest of your soccer week. The All-Star break. We'll see you Saturday in Toronto. You've been listening to Inside the Booth on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. Mm